Hello and welcome to the Mobile Home Park Expert Podcast. I'm Jason Sirotin here with Glenn Esterson. Glenn, how are you? Doing fantastic. How are you doing today, Jason? I'm doing awesome, man. I'm, I'm really excited. You know, now we're we're officially on SoundCloud and iTunes. So I, I would love for everybody to go out, pound that subscribe button. Um, uh, my kids watch a lot of YouTube and they're always like, slam that subscribe button. But we would really appreciate you guys listening and giving us feedback. Thank you to all the people who've hit us up on LinkedIn and had such kind words to say and encouraging words for me on my journey. And it's really cool, Glenn. I've got a few emails now with people who are like, I'm really think want to get into the business and hearing your dumb questions makes me feel better. And so um, I think I think we're doing something really cool and valuable here. So thank you so much for uh, giving us that feedback. And Glenn, thank you so much for all the wisdom you've per- been providing us newbies. I really appreciate it. Yeah, this has been a lot of fun, and, and really the feedback has been great. Nobody told me at all to go, you know, to, to shut down and run away from the business, which is always a good sign. <laughs> and everything that everybody has said has been, you know, fantastic. That it's, uh, uh, it seems like it's, um, you know, being received well. Yeah, so but- it gives me some encouragement to want to keep spending this this time with you and and and, and helping you out and getting it out into the public. So uh, I'm excited. Yeah, and I, I think like we won't know we're truly successful until people start saying bad things about us. <laughs> All right, so to, on today's show, um, we're going to talk about so so uh, Glenn's website has been updated, and he's got six new smoking hot deals on the website. I want to learn about a couple of them because he thinks that there are a couple that might be of interest to me or at least something that I could partner on with somebody. Um, And then from there, I'm going to have Glenn tell me one story about a winning deal and one story about a losing deal so that we can get that perspective on, you know, what does a winning deal look like and what does a losing deal look like? And then I'll ask some questions around that. So Glenn, let's first start. So on the MHBexpert.com, you have six deals up there right now and you think maybe a couple of them might be of interest to me. So let's talk about them. And I'd like to ask some questions and kind of go through that process. Sure. So, you know, we have six deals up right now, but we probably have another dozen deals that will be up, you know, on the site in the next week or two. Um, It it takes a minute for me to find the time to get all the stuff done, but uh, our inventory is robust right now. We have, you know, maybe 40 deals altogether, you know, about uh, 15 or so listed and, and the rest being off market stuff. And there's, you know, some highlights and low points for each of those deals. But for the ones that, that are up that the listeners can, you know, kind of interact with right now, um, you know, there's a couple on here that, that make a lot of sense depending on where you are as a first time buyer um, or as a seasoned professional. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll maybe talk about one or two of each. And, you know, I'll give you some of the high points and the low points and, and what to watch out for and why I think it's a good deal and all those kind of stuff. Um, what, you know, let, let's start with kind of a, a bigger, sexier one uh, that's up in your neck of the woods. Uh, well, you know, when you're up north, that is. Um, this one's in Pennsylvania, just outside of Pittsburgh. It's in Pittsburgh proper, but just on kind of on the river, the Allegheny River. Uh, and it's, it's not in a flood zone. And it's, uh, it's a 78 space park. Uh, the interesting about thing about this park just historically is it's never been sold before these the family that owns it generations ago 
bought it from the uh, the Carnegies of all people. So you know, what? Pretty, pretty fancy stuff. Yeah, it's not <laughs> wow. Right, um, right, right. It's, uh, but it's it's interesting dirt, and it's right on the river, and uh, it's it it has um, seventy eight spaces, seventy five tenants, uh, pretty well stabilized. But the market rents are pretty low on the deal, and um, it's you know city water, but on septic as as many things are. But of course, sewer I believe is available, and um, you know we took we're, we've taken this thing out at uh, three point six. Eight five million, so three million six hundred eighty-five thousand dollars, and it's uh you know it's about an, uh, about a seven and a half cap on lot rent, and you mix in um, uh, some some additional income that's there. It's really more, it's closer to an eight. Uh, there's no park-owned homes. It's all uh, you know it's all lot rent only. The caveat on this deal um, is the about two-thirds of the the tenants there actually have their own cottages. Uh, that are there, and they, they they live in them some year round, and some live in there just during the warm season and, and stay, you know, at the river and things like that. But they own their own cottages; they're 100% responsible for uh, removing them when they're done there. They they don't move. Most his average tenant base is something like 25 years, um, and uh, it's you know it's a, it's a really interesting park. The the other side of the park is of course all mobile homes. Wait wait, um, can we just let's pump the brakes for a second because I got to understand this. Sure. We've never talked about cottages. Please like explain. I know that's why I wanted to talk about it. It's so so cottages, just like uh, just like mobile homes, you know they 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 often sit on somebody else's land. Okay, and that they pay a a, a lot rent. Uh, and it's called lot rent um, to to the you know the, the landowner. In this case, the lot rent at this park is you know about about four hundred and fifty dollars on average, give or take. Uh, some of the waterfront lots are a little bit more, and some of the interior lots are a little bit less. Um, but the the cottages you know are about twelve hundred square feet plus or minus. Some are a little bit smaller, some are a little bit bigger. Uh, but they've, they, they've been there for a long time, and the tenants are, are extremely sticky tenants in this situation. It's not like a tiny home community where you have, you know, 400 square feet of, of space um, or, or whatever the, the exact number is for those things. Um, but the, the, uh, the tenant is going to take that with them potentially one day. They own it, and there's, there's some caveats with it, of course. Uh, but the, this particular property, and, and I went back to the 2010 P&Ls. That's how far back I researched the income on this thing. Uh, it is as stable as the day is long. And when a tenant does move out, it's usually because they, you know, they unfortunately aged out and, and, and passed on to whatever's next. And uh, the family, for one reason or another, will either immediately take it over and, and start living there, or the, if there is no family or the family doesn't want it, the landlord, unfortunately, will have to tear down the home, and it costs about you know three grand, thirty five hundred to tear down the home. But by the time the home's cleared out of there, he's got you know people with deposits ready to move the next newer cottage in. Uh, it's a very you know desired area, and the tenants. What's even more uh, exciting about this deal is they pay their rents quarterly, um, and so when you have um, your income source uh now uh, the risk of collection has gone down from you know 12 months of possible late and 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 non-collects to just a quarter um you know so now you're only getting paid you know once once every three months so four times a year it makes your income much more reliable and stable and predictable 
And, you know, that's always a real nice advantage to having, you know, to having people on, on uh, quarterly rents or even sometimes annual rents in locations like this. Um, you know, he's grossing about four hundred and thirty five thousand um, dollars on on reoccurring capitalizable income like lot rents and, and things like that. And uh, he's you know, it's a very, very nice park. Um, from from that standpoint, well, can I? Uh, from the other you go so fast, Glenn. Hold hold on. I still I know I still don't know what the hell a cottage is. Is it like is it a house built with like just like a shed? Sure. Yeah, it's it's essentially a stick built home. Um, it's you know you've seen them all over the place. Uh, anytime you've gone, you know uh, to to like a state to, park, these northeast rivery places. Yeah, it's like a house, but it's not a it's not set on a foundation. Okay, um, it's, it's just like it, they you know, flatten out the land and then they throw something on it, or yeah, they I mean, or they level it with bricks and pads. stuff. Yeah, yeah, the, it, you know these are all on concrete pads and, and they're set on a footer or, or set on a um, you know set on posts or something like that. So, to, you, to, so they can know. lift it up and move it with like a a truck. Correct, in theory, in theory, but just like somebody can move a mobile home, in theory, it just doesn't happen very often. OK. Um, and you know, usually once they get there, they stay there forever um, until until the next guy comes and puts a new one there. So, you know, and, so, and they're typically between 800 and 1200 square feet. Look kind of just like the house. In fact, my farmhouse that I raised my family in was only 900 square feet in the middle of nowhere. And it was, you know, a stick built home. And, and you know, if, if I ran my car into the house, unfortunately, it would have fallen off, of uh, you know, fallen down. Right. Right. Um, right. It, it, it's it's. It's not like the house I live in now where it's, you know, properly built, but these cottages are actually nicer than the house that, that, you know, I raised my family in and they provide even more space uh, than a lot of them. And of course they got carports and a lot of them are on the river with uh, their own dock and stuff like that too. Um, You know, so it's, this sounds like an uh, ideal, this does, this sounds less like a mobile home park and more of like a vacation destination rental. Is it like a cross, a cross between a, like an RV park and a mobile home park? Yeah, it, it, it kind of is, it, with the exception that the income is, is year-round, essentially. It's paid quarterly, and the tenants are responsible for owning that spot and 100% of the maintenance for that spot for their, you know, the entirety of, of their stay. And they tend to stay for 25, 30, 40 years. Man. These guys the park since the 60s. I mean, these two brothers who, who are managing the park now took over the park in the 60s. And some of their tenants there you know, are, are, have been there almost, you know, almost the whole time. <laughs> so it's, this, uh, this sounds insane. Term, I, I, insane I, but- I love this deal. I, it sounds to me like it reminds me of going back to the good, the bad and the ugly. It seems like it, it gets rid of the bad and the ugly. What is the, it, it does. It's more of a, a, a blue collars vacation spot in theory with, you know, cause about a third of the tenants just come there to get away or whatever they, they they own the thing year round, but they only come a third of the year or something like that, you know? And you can and, fish um, right on the river. Is the river clean? Is it in a, like, I, I don't know anything about the area. Like, is it a nice, well, the Allegheny river is a big river and I wouldn't go swimming in it if I was you, right. um, but you know, I wouldn't swim in most public rivers. So, that's true. You know, that's, that's true. It, you know, that's just how I am. But uh, there are some pretty boats and things like that are that, that are down there. And it is, a source of uh, entertainment and, and activity for you know, the locals. Um, but, you know, being that, you know, two thirds of the park live there year round, you know, the place is, you know, well occupied and, 
and uh, you know it's it's full okay. of life there. I um, mean, th- this deal you know, this deal is is fire. Like, and I'm not just saying that for the podcast. I like this is a deal I'd be interested in. It has everything that you want. It seems like it's way less risky in terms of my when you have like the average tenant being there so long. If you want to learn more about this property, go to the mhpexpert.com. You can also call Glenn at four two three four eight three zero four nine two. Now, Glenn, let's talk about another one because I, I could ask questions about that one all day what's next sure so then let's let's go over to you know a good uh, a good first starter park for somebody who maybe only has a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars to spend and is looking to get into the business and uh you know wants to be somewhere in the south so then i got a deal just about you know 45 uh call it 55 minutes from downtown charlotte uh to to the east okay of charlotte okay um it's in it, it, Charlotte is a very big market, but um, the market doesn't really expand very well to the east of all places. It doesn't go. It's not that way. That said, you're still only, you know, an hour or so from uh, from downtown Charlotte. But the market is good and the rents are growing. And the uh, in this in this particular deal, it's an all lot rent park. Um, it is uh, 40 spaces, but only has 22 tenants. And the tenants are are only paying about you know 185 average lot rents. Okay, so you have a, a, a an area that while it's not you know it's not downtown Charlotte, it's still it's still a good area uh, for living and employment. You have very low rents in that area. This particular park is you know maybe 25 30 bucks below market rents, and you have um, you know this upside in occupancy, which I love so much because that's that's really where the value is created is filling those vacant lots. Yeah, you have a and lot of have, them, and you have yeah you have can, you know 18 vacant lots. Can I ask there a question? Plug and play. Yeah. Like if you had it, we were going in, and you had the capital. Would putting some park-owned homes there be something that would be a good option. Absolutely. In, 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 in the way that I would be looking at it is, is not just bringing in park owned homes because, you know, I'm not a huge fan of, of operating park owned homes, but I would go buy some homes. Um, and, and, and in my opinion, you know, you can support a nice new home there and you can probably get some nice debt uh, from the, from the manufacturer or retailer on it and, and, and be able to sell that home either, you know, uh, on an RTO type of agreement um, or, you know, uh, probably not for cash, but on an RTO agreement or get the, the tenant uh, background and credit check done and let the retailer finance the tenant. Um, but you should be able to hit 90% occupancy there. So call it 35-ish tenants. So you're, you're, you're going from 22 to 35 tenants. And you're getting, you know, market lot rents on those things. And that's going to improve the the, the, the visual aspect of the park because now you have nice new inventory and you're going to improve the occupancy. And it's not going to cost you too much because the way it costs to buy those homes, you're going to recycle that cash. You know, every time you sell one of the homes, you're going to take that and redo it again with the next home. So you're, yeah. you're really going to be recycling that cash. It's, it's not a whole lot of cash output. Everything else in the park is, is pretty, pretty ready to go. Um, I, you know, you might want to look at, at buying used homes, but you know, inventory is a little scarce on used homes right now. And by the time you, you buy a used home and you move it into the park and then you renovate it, you know, you're probably still into it for 15 grand. And, and in that case, you might have just bought a new home. 
Um, you know, there's hey, the down payment's going to be probably less than that. So, Glenn, um, I, I do have a question. It's a little off topic, but I don't. Something about this deal made me think about it. Do people who are looking to move into a mobile home park care about the school system? Is it important in their decision making process? It depends, right? So if I'm selling a community that's mostly seniors, it's not going to be that important, right? Gotcha. Um, and there's a lot of my communities that are senior communities. I mean, it's uh, you know all over the place. Um, these, this one and the previous one are all aged communities. However, the Pittsburgh deal is mostly seniors, right? So the, the school district's not going to matter as much. But it is in fact in a great school district. Oh, that's um, cool. This one in Waysboro. Um, I don't know enough about the school district to say if it's a good or bad one. Right. Uh, and it is an all ages park. And that is something that, you know, you want to at least, you know, make a note of when you're doing your due diligence on that stuff. But with this particular deal, you have, you have a high yield and you have a lot of upside and it's a small entry point. And, you know, the market is, is a good enough market that you're not going to bleed out during a recession because you're only, you know, 55 minutes from downtown Charlotte. Um, so, you know, uh, overall, on, on a deal like this, it's got, you know, it's got some ugly on it. You know, the roads aren't that pretty. I mean, they're not terrible. They're, you know, slightly below average. The landscape is more natural than it is landscaping. Um, and, you know, things like that. But the upside is all your infrastructure is there. It's large lots. Uh, good looking. You know, the, the tenant homes there look nice. Um, and there's, you know, a, a real opportunity to take your $440,000 purchase price and double that deal in a couple of years. Wow. Uh, you know, I don't think your build out, I don't think your build out is going to cost you all that much. And I think, you know, your, your tip to tail purchase to exit, if you're a savvy investor that, you know, thinks you can learn the game quickly, I bet you you're out of this deal in three years. La I bet you you've mostly doubled your money. Last question so, I have on this one, Glenn, is like, in it seems like that's in a pretty rural area. I'm guessing. Is it hard to find property managers or is that something that you're going to want to live like live by is like for your first home? Is it better for somebody who no. lives close there? Well, we, we got management underwritten into this deal, you know, hiring a, you know, 10% manager license. And oh, all great. Jazz. And, and so, so that, that doesn't scare us, but you know, the smarter, the smart guy who, 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 wants to save some of that management fee and really learn the business. Yes. I mean, it, I would advise spending the first few months of that park and learning the business. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is like the perfect entrance course into the world of mobile homes. It is. That's uh, a great deal. Under a half a million. Yeah, you know, that's yeah, that's 40,000. It's a little bite sized guy. Yeah. But, but like, I mean, you're, you're going to be hard pressed to find a park with 80 available lots for that much. Right. 40, 40, 40, 40. available lots. So but it's still, about 10, 000 a pack. yeah, that's that's a great deal in North Carolina. It has a good day one yield. It you know it's grossing about fifty two, fifty three thousand dollars a year. The water is public built is 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 public water directly billed to the tenant from the municipality. It is on septic, but you're on half acre lots, and the septics are all in great condition. And the flood zone, there is no flood zone there. Um, so. It, it, to me, this is the kind of deal I would advise a new buyer to, to strongly it's, look at. Is it it's sexy? sexy. Do you want your grandma <laughs> living there? No. Right, but right. Is it a good starter point? Heck yeah. Yeah, for so, for an investor, you know, I mean, it sounds it sounds like it's relatively stable. Um, wow, 
two good ones today. I'm glad I don't have a, just a pile of money right now because I would just go out and start doing these deals. Um, if you're interested in that deal, you can go to themhpexpert.com or call Glenn directly at 423-483-0492. Now, Glenn, we spent a half hour talking about that stuff, so I would love to move into our winners and losers segment where we're kind of talking about anecdotal stories that you've been through down in the trenches where you've seen a deal go really well and you've seen a deal go really bad. So let's start with a winner. Tell us a story about a winning deal and what that winning deal looks like. So depends on what you consider winning and losing. And remember with every winner, there's often a loser attached. Right. So uh, this, this, this is still typical in our industry. So there was a lot of winners in 2012, but because there was a lot of winners in 2012, there was a lot of losers as well that, you know, that they, these winning parts were purchased from these guys that, you know, really were taking a, a loss. Um, it was a really rough time for everyone in 2012 and 2011. Um, so it, it, some of these deals were, were purchased really well. I helped one gentleman um, who you know, I'm not going to mention names on any of this stuff, but you know, I helped one gentleman in North Carolina, and uh, he uh, had, had bought a park very well at, at, at a really great price um, in like 2013, but in a really hard market. Um, and uh, he, he, he did very, very well with it. He filled up the park pretty well. He got the park, I think, for about um, about $700,000, got the owner to finance it. It was like a 200-space park. Um, and he, uh, began to, to implement upside. He's, a, you know, owns a handful of other parks and kind of knows what he was doing. Started implementing the upside. He got the park up, um, you know, the rents up from, you know, hundred and change to, you know, uh, almost, almost 200. I think they were 185 lot rents up from about a hundred. And, uh, he, um, filled a whole lot of those vacant lots. I mean, it was, you know, maybe 40 tenants on the park when, when he bought it. And when we sold it, he had, you know, about a hundred tenants at the park. Just real quick, uh, Glenn, can you tell, did he do a, did, was it expansive marketing that helped him fill it? Like what did, do you know what his tactics yes, were? Exactly. So, so he, so he was uh, uh, in a position to bring in used homes and he brought in a lot of used homes to fill the vacant lots and then put most of them on RTOs and uh, would sell them to vetted tenants and, and get pretty good people in there. He also had, he also had uh, a handful of uh, FEMA homes that came in, like in and out. You know, sometimes they, you know, during a flood, they would bring, you know, some people in, keep them there for six months and then pull them out. And, and, and he was on that program as well, which really helped with, with cash flow. Um, and so with that money, he was, you know, re- reinvesting back into the park and putting in new, you know, filling up more lots and, and his, uh, uh, is is marketing was you know strong. I mean, he has a good reputation. He's got a good online profile. He's you know puts up the signs and does all the all the basic stuff, Craigslist and all all that standard type of marketing. Um, and when I when I got involved with him, uh, you know, we 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 underwrote the deal, figured out where the challenges were on it, figured out what a targeted buyer would look like on this. And, you know, because for every level of occupancy, there's almost a different buyer. So when you have to, when he bought it, it was, you know, 10% occupied. There's very few buyers for things like that. But when you get it up to 50% occupied, there's a whole lot more buyers for it. You know, and right. some of the bridge lenders are a bit more friendly on it. 
That's so, super cool. Uh, look, he bought it for about 700 and, and probably put in a half a million bucks over the years. Okay. Uh, we sold it for him a year or two ago and uh, we sold it for 2.3, 2.4. I think it was 2.35 is what we sold that deal for. Nice. And there's somewhere right about there. And, you know, I, how many I years nice was he in it? it and he was in it. Uh, he picked it up in 2013. And so he was probably in it for about four years, four and a half years. Um, not bad. And, you know, not a bad return when, when you kind of consider, you know, chances are, and I don't remember the backstory, but chances are he, he well, I do know it was owner finance previously. Um, and that, you know, he probably only got into that deal for a few hundred thousand dollars or something. And then when he uh, got cashed out, he did have a ref he did refinance it a few years earlier with uh, with somebody else. Um, so he probably had some some good equity in there at some point, but not not a whole lot. You know, I mean, definitely, definitely less than a million dollars of actual cash uh, that, that was put in there out of his own pocket. So, you know, to sell it at that point, you know, and double your money in four years, I mean, that's that's a heck of a return. It is a lot of hard work, but that that is a pretty standard, typical, if you do it right and you buy it right and you, you follow the steps and you, you do what you're supposed to do, you're going to have probably a nice exit on your hand. Of course, he did some great timing. He bought it at the bottom or right near the bottom and, you know, sold it, so, you know, I wouldn't say at the top, but pretty close to the top. So that's, so, I mean, basic, that's, that's, that's basically a quarter million a year for his investment and his time. So uh, I want to add on top of the cash flow on top of the cash flow. That thing was cash flowing. Like it was like cash flowing, like a maniac. I mean, it was the FEMA homes when they come in, they double, they double your lot rent and get, you know, and so if your lot rents 200 bucks, they start paying you 400 bucks. Yeah. It's just our money. Risk with having (laughs) Right. It was a short, you know, and so the cash flow on that thing was phenomenal. Um, and so that, you know, that, that would be a real winner type of story. Not, not sexy, crazy, like, oh, you Realistic. know, he did everything right and made millions of dollars, but he did make millions of dollars and he did do everything right, but it was still, you know, C-class park and, and he worked his butt off and he had his team there working their butts off and, and the new buyer was able to walk into something pretty clean. And they had a couple hiccups in the beginning with some FEMA stuff. But, uh, you know, once that got kind of settled out, they're well on their way to, you know, probably in the sometime during the next cycle, be able to sell that for double their money. Uh, and that's, you know, again, it might take them to six or seven years, but still not a bad payday. <laughs> you know? Not so bad. Not bad at all. Kind of a, of, a, of a good winner situation there. I take but, it. Uh, it doesn't Get happen the- all the time, but it, it is often. Well, I have a one question that's kind of a little bit outside of this, but the you know when I was thinking about a million in four years, and I know he had cash flow on top of that, but I'm wondering, you know, first year versus second year, you know, hours wise, what does an owner have to put into a park, hours wise Ooh. during like the first year, and does it decrease every it's- year or is it consistent? Well, if you took me as your example, I would say it increased every year. <laughs> but you know, I was I was uh, not following proper protocols. I don't think throughout my whole process, as I was still learning the game. Um, but for for most owners, yeah, that first depends how heavy of a lift. A heavy lift like that, like that particular deal, that was a heavy lift. You're going to expect to work hard for the first two, maybe three years, getting this thing run and getting the right management in place and getting the right systems in place and, and just constantly bringing in homes and filling homes and vetting tenants and dealing with that. That's, that's a lot of work. And, you know, he, uh, 
he didn't probably lift a you know lift a finger on on the actual physical work, but he was probably you know dealing with uh you know I would say ten twenty hours a week on that park in the beginning, and by the time he sold it, I bet you it was probably less you know less than five hours a week. Um, but you know the amount of man hours that went into that park to get it up there was considerable. So you have right. to be able to have a budget for that. Oh, absolutely. You know? I was just um, kind of thinking about from an owner standpoint side, like could you do a great job at this and have other things going on? And it sounds like with that time, if you you know if you're like me and work you know eighty to hundred hours a week, you're you're fine. You can put in that time. It's not a big deal. Yeah, it's, you know, and you're going to find the efficiencies and you're going to get reliable people and, and that's going to do a lot for you. But on your first deal, I would, I would never allow you to buy that for your first deal. I would never allow you. Right. Um, and thank you. Know, you. It, 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 <laughs> you know, it's, it, it would be inappropriate and you would be what would be probably one of the stories we're going to talk about next. <laughs> okay. Oh, great segue. Off the, the, you know, it's usually it's... the guys that bite off too much, you know, too much than they can chew that, that end up being this other side. Because they see oh, all this potential, but they don't know how to realize it. Um, see, we're and, even learning you know, that, how that to segue, to... Glenn. We're learning how to segue. <laughs> we're getting we're getting to that go. point. So we have segued over to losers. All right, these I know it's horrible. You hate to see somebody fall, but I feel like you learn so much from the losers. Um, tell us about a losing deal. All right, so it happens entirely too frequently in this business and people just don't seem to talk about it and they want to pretend like hey this is the safest investment you know all you got to do is a b and c and you're gonna make 10 percent yields and double your money and all this stuff but i deal with so many people that go sideways in this business i don't know what the percentage is and i'm not going to guess but i can tell you it's a good bit of my business and um with with, with with a good story that comes to mind on that one uh, would probably be there was a deal in South Georgia. I'm, I'm comparing these two deals together in my head. So let's see here. Uh, there's the deal that never made it out. Of, yeah. Okay. So I'll give you two little ones. So there's a seller who's owned parks forever. He's a very stubborn guy. Um, he, he's in Southern Georgia and, and you know, uh, it's, it's a different, it's a different personality down there in general. Um, it's more where my wife is from and, and, you know, there's some great people, but there's a lot of, you know, I want it my way and my way only type of people. And it makes it very hard to get a transaction done. Um, and so he had seven or eight parks in, in South Georgia. And in, in 15, he was, you know, thinking he was sitting high on the horse and, you know, making all this crazy money and he wanted a ridiculous number for for his stuff. And, you know, he said, good luck to you. Uh, well, in 16, a, her, um, a tornado came through and wiped out about a third of his parks. I mean, straight up, they wiped them out. Like they're not, they're not, part, they're still parks, but there's no homes left on them, oh and they are, God. they still look, they still look like a like a war zone. Um, and and top it off, the neighborhood that they were in was already probably one of the worst in all of Georgia. And so, it was a, a <laughs> and that's saying something. Market. That's saying something, you know. Oh and, my God. Uh, you know, his lot rents at his park, some of them were only $75, you know, I mean, it was, uh, and he had a ton of park owned homes and, um, you know, all this stuff, but the upside on this thing was tremendous. And we, we argued with him about pricing. Finally, he agreed to, uh, uh, you know, go with our pricing on a few of his parks. It was we did four of his parks for a million bucks and he was just highly upset about it. 
Um, it was probably, you know, 150 spaces or something like that. Um, 6,000 a pad. And he, uh, uh, I brought him offer after offer after offer on that deal. Um, and to this day, he still owns those parts. And you know what the difference was between the offers and that million bucks? What? Less than $30,000. Less than $30,000. Oh, so, something. so he was just being um, stubborn. He was being so stubborn and now he still owns those. And, you know, he's still trying to sell them and he's still stuck at these numbers that people don't want. And he keeps creeping the number back up. Last I heard, he had him back on the market for a million five. And, uh, you know, he's he's one of those kind of guys that's probably going to end up like the guy, the second story where he bought a bunch of parks in the same in, in Georgia. Uh, this was in this was in, you know, all over Georgia, but, you know, the outskirts of Georgia. He owned seven or eight. No, he owned nine or ten parks by the time he got, you know, finished buying everything. He lived in, you know, the opposite side of the country in, in Washington and um, for the first few years did real well. He bought the, he bought them right. Um, and, you know, or he, he thought he bought them right. He bought them right. And in, in his mind, but with other people's money and uh, without a lot of due diligence. And he, he had this one park in particular that. um uh, was in Eastern North Carolina and one that was in Macon. And those those two parks, by the time he got me involved to sell them for him, um, were so decayed that the park in North Carolina, while I was getting ready to help him sell it, got shut down by the state. And was he just still, not taking you know, care of it? He was just not taking care of it. He was he took his eyes off the ball. He, the management issues there were terrible. He didn't bet the tenants. They were, they were both gangbanger parks and you know, he had massive, you know, utility and infrastructure issues because he didn't, you know, really dig deep on it. Or if he did dig deep, he, he just thought it wasn't a big deal. Um, and he was one of those stick your head in the sand guys, you know. So he had, so, the, you know, the previous guy was just kind of belligerent with his expectations. The This guy was like, uh, I'll just, you know, pretend it's not happening kind of guy. And by the time we got done with everything, I sold his one park. He bought this park in 2012 the one in, in Macon, he bought it in 2012 for, you know, maybe a half a million bucks, 550, somewhere in that range. And uh, when I sold it for him, after all the time and energy he did put into it in the beginning, and then after all the decay happened on it, by the time I got it sold, and it took a hot minute to get sold, um, we sold it for 475, you know, and, you know, that's at the peak of a market. And that's uh, that's a real challenge, you know, because that's going to leave a real bad taste. And, and that wasn't the only negative he got out of that one, uh, but you know, just barely, right? Uh, but that one in North Carolina, he lost. He lost a couple other in Georgia, you know, in, in uh, a very strong market near near an uh, near Athens, uh, college, the Georgia College in Athens, um, UGA, and uh, you know, it. it, it to, to overlook so much during your due diligence process and then to slightly overpay back then and then to use other people's money and then to, to ignore the problems. Uh, you've heard me say it before, but that's all like you're on a slippery slope. You started there and now you're just sliding down. What? And, you know, he, he, he ended up going foreclosure on those parks. Um, but that, and, that uh, I think this is know. a general problem with people and business. Like, uh, you know, I don't think it's, it's limited to the, MHP market, it's that there are entrepreneurs out there who think that they can just go start a business 
and if they ignore their problems that they just go away. They get worse. Do not go into business if you are afraid of conflict or afraid of getting your hands really dirty, like digging in the shit dirty. Like, just don't do it. Go work for someone else. Get a job that makes you happy. Don't think that you can be an entrepreneur because you cannot hide from business problems. They only get worse. They only get worse. I went through that with my first park. Uh, you know, I it, it, I had to grow up real quick, you know, and come to the conclusion that it was lose everything or get, you know, get even more involved with the success of this thing and pull it out as, as best as I can. Um, but a lot of guys, they, they, they just lose track of that. Uh, that This particular guy, you know, he, he started with no experience in, in MH. And then within one year, he owned, you know, five, six hundred lots. That's dangerous, and especially if they're all over the place, Gee, like this guy was. Wow. Um, you know, that's, that's dangerous, and it's enticing because a lot of us, you know, he's not a he, he's a smart guy. He's a very smart guy. He was very successful in his previous businesses, um, but when you take your eye off the ball and, and it's a new thing and, and all this stuff, it, it can really cost you, and if you don't dig deep during your due diligence, no matter how good the deal looks because you're getting it for $6,000 a pad, you could have some significant troubles a couple of years down the road with your utility structures. You know, he had a waterline bust and it was like, you know, just went unseen for two months. It was like $70,000 of water. The city just said, no, you're paying it uh, or we're shutting you down. And that's essentially what, what shut it down. Well, it's um, like, pay, it's pay attention. It's pay attention and get engineers in there during the due diligence phase and know your shit. Like know know what's in the ground, yep. know what the structure is, know what potential problems could arise. If you you know if you know that you have five roofs going bad, at least you can plan for it rather than collapsing and you have you know problems if you own the homes. I mean, oh yeah, just all sorts of. Oh, I can't even imagine the amount of things that need to be thought about during these things. Do Do you have a checklist, hey, Glenn, me. that we can share with people? Yeah. And that's what I was just going to say. You know, luckily we put together um, a, a pretty comprehensive checklist for for our buyers and even for the sellers to prepare themselves for you know knowing where they stand and what a buyer is going to be looking for. Is you know we got a, a list that's called a must ask questions, um, and it's you know two or three pages with you know just line items of questions and and what you know you're not trying to uh, you know do anything more than record where things stand today with the various utility structures with the various you know. Uh, mobile homes, uh, if there's any, you know, park-owned homes with all the, you know, what due diligence is available from, from this guy and, and what you need to dig up, you know, have you, you know, some check boxes of who you need to contact to make sure you've, you've checked those things, you know, the municipalities and the, you know, the, the inspectors and, you know, is there a phase one? Um, but, you know, we go through it pretty systematically. And you get all the data that you can that's available. It's never, it's never 100% complete, but you get all the data that you can. And then you at least have a starting point and you can start budgeting accordingly and you know, you know, what a little bit more what to expect. Now, that said, you still have to dig deeper than that checklist. It is not a one and done type of thing, you know. So, um, you know, that's and that's where getting a, you know, somebody who's already well experienced in the industry, whether they're, you know, a friend of yours that's a park owner um, or whether you're in, you know, some kind of mastermind group or whether you're dealing with brokers who, you know, know their game and not just some new guy broker who doesn't really know what to tell you. 
but, you know, and of course, you, know, you can call me or my team and we're happy to walk you through what we think, you know, makes sense for you to check out or what we, you know, let us analyze something. We can tell you some of the things to look out for and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, it, it's this business, it's excessive using other people's money. You better take that seriously and you better dig deep. And even the, the, the cherry pie parks that, that we have that, you know, pretty much look as pretty as anything. You let your grandma live there. You still got to dig just as deep, you know. Uh, chances are you'll come back with not too many issues on a nice park. But if you buy a value add, you know, it's a value add for a reason. And you got to get, you know, risk and reward, you know, is what that yield is based off of. So you have to really kind of look into what, what makes up all the risk in this deal and, and how much is that reward going to cost you to get to and how much time and things like that. And so many people overlook that simple aspect of it. And, and the, 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 the worst thing people overlook is, well, how do I exit in a worst case scenario? And some of these guys, some of these guys just they're going to be stuck with it because they don't want to admit what the worst case that they're in the worst case scenario, and that it's going to either take them down or they just better take some money now and figure out their a way to have their account and make it you know useful for them to take a loss on this kind of thing. Uh, and of course, there's other tricks to help save your you know to, to save things as you start going sideways with buying the bad part. But um, you know, a lot of it starts right from day one, right from the you know when you start doing your due diligence on this thing. Hey, Glenn, you only it, get thirty to sixty days. You know, is this <laughs> is this list something that you'd be willing to share with our audience? Yeah, absolutely. We have uh, you know we have it out. I'm not sure if it's on the website yet, but uh, well, I, I think th- you, you, I, I think, think people can just email you. That will be. Yeah, if if you want this uh, checklist, just email Glenn G Esterson at the MHP expert.com and Glenn will send it over to you. And then eventually yeah, we'll create a version on the site and I'll link to it in the show notes uh, once that's complete, but you know, just email Glenn, he'll send it to you. We're about transparency and getting people the tools that they need to be successful. So on that note, um, let's say goodbye for the day. And Glenn, thank you so much for, everything giving us all these great tips today was actually i didn't know what i was going to learn and i feel like i learned a lot of valuable things i learned about cottages i learned about good deals bad deals and we saw those amazing opportunities that are up on your website at the mhpexpert.com there's two incredible listings that one that's really great for um somebody who's looking to Uh, who's been in the business and and wants to get into a little larger deal and then the perfect starter. Um, And if you want to know more about those deals, you can email Glenn at gesterson at the mhpexpert.com. Visit our website at the mhpexpert.com. And we thank you and we will see you next time. Thanks, Glenn. Thank you, Jay.